0: Hello, everybody. and Welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. And I'm Nick Amaral. And welcome to Ask the Tech Coach. This is episode number 43. Today, we're celebrating our March Tech Coach Roundtable. Today, we're going to be wrapping up everything that we've been discussing this month, all about branding. We've been talking a lot, Nick, over the last few weeks about our Tech Coach brand. We've had a ton of questions, Nick. What have you enjoyed about talking all about branding and some of the things that uh, maybe people have said to you online?
1: Jeff, I think what was pretty cool was we had a lot of uh, tech coaches to be reaching out and uh, asking you know, about where, they, how do they get started, what should they look forward to, um, everything from building a site to what certification should they look at you know, taking and, and does that make a difference uh, you know, in building their brand?
0: That is certainly right. We've been doing a lot of stuff like that in our mastermind, talking not only about how to be a tech coach, but really how to get that tech coaching job. And we've been blending that a little bit with the social media, with the website, with the resume. We've had a great time putting all that together. We want to know what you guys have been thinking about our content. If you are out there listening to this show, thank you so much for making TeacherCast a part of your professional development. Of course, you can reach out to us each and every week on Twitter at AskTheTechCoach. Leave us a voice message over at TeacherCast.net slash voice mail and email us at feedback at teachercast.net this is ask the tech coach keep your questions coming we would love to hear from you nick i am extremely excited about today's show we have three amazing guests that not only are great educators but they've also done a pretty darn good job at building a globally globally recognized brand for themselves are you excited about today's show nick I
1: am. And I think this is going to be great for any of the people that are, you know, we're listening and reaching out about how to build it and, and just getting it, you know, straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak. I mean, we're going to you know, find out what kind of made them tick and how they went about building their brands to make it something that's recognizable and and some of the important strategies to go about.
0: So let's just dive right in here. I want to bring on our first guest, a fellow New Jersey person, Mr. Chris Avilas, the teched up teacher himself. Chris, how are you today? Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. How's it going? It is great. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Who is Chris Avilas? Sure. I like to say uh, I'm
2: a recovering high school English teacher. I taught high school English for 10 years. uh, And then I got to uh, the opportunity to go to the district I'm at now, Fairhaven School District. And, um, you know, I started out doing some tech coaching. uh, And then I had a makerspace in the afternoon that kind of grew. uh, And so they asked me to make it a full day, full grade kind of class. Um, So I started a program called Fairhaven Innovates. Um, where I added entrepreneurship to the makerspace and so my sixth, seventh and eighth grade classes we run real businesses together that try to turn a real profit while we solve real problems. Uh, And now in the afternoon I work with fourth and fifth graders in the makerspace on things like design thinking, engineering, computer science and the digital arts.
0: You know, I absolutely love this because you are going to be sharing with us not only how you've created a brand for yourself, but how you're helping your students to create a brand for themselves. So I'm looking forward to a little bit about that. I want to also bring on a good friend of man, the author, creator of the Ditch That Textbook website, book, coffee mug, everything out there, Ditch That Textbook. Matt Miller, how are you today? Welcome to the show. I Always a pleasure to be on the show and to hang out with you all. Thank you so much for being here. It is so exciting to have you. I know you are doing so much good stuff in this world. Tell us a little bit about who is Matt Miller.
3: Yeah, so I was a I was a high school Spanish teacher for eleven years, and uh, just a few years into that, I started to realize that my textbooks were not really helping my students to become better speakers of Spanish. So I, uh, I basically ditched them. I quit using them and started to find other things that were more effective and more efficient at helping my students learn um, other than those textbooks. And so after I started doing that for a little while, I started to realize, hey, you know, I probably have some things that might be helpful to other people. So, I started a blog and started sharing some of those ideas with some of those other people. And one thing led to another. And, um, you know, there was a book and all of this good stuff. And so here we are today, just still
0: focusing on trying to help other teachers be be the best teachers that they can be. I, I love the idea of having an idea to help teachers growing it into a brand, building the website, creating the book, doing the conferences. And that's exactly what our next guest is. He is the, uh, the reigning defending undisputed. I think I'm getting this right, Mike. The, 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 the undisputed keynote speaker of ISTI from last year, my good friend, the tech rabbi, Michael Cohen. How are you today? I'm doing quite well. Um, yeah, that's, that's quite a title. I I appreciate that. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about yourself. Who is the tech rabbi?
4: So I got into education about 10 years ago. I started actually out thinking that I would be a creative director and run a marketing and branding, just overall creative communication company. I did that for about three, four years and uh, long story short, fell into education, fell in love with it, and never looked back.
0: That's awesome. And, and and you know the the tech rabbi persona, of course, came from where, Mike?
4: So the tech rabbi. I don't know. Does it does it look like me? Let's see if I can like get this up here. Looks okay, wonderful I it's like right there. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's video or audio exclusively <laughs> with this process, but uh, I was holding up a sticker for those that are listening. So the, the tech rabbi came about in a way that I felt I needed to differentiate myself. Started speaking at different conferences and realizing that there are a lot of people who are doing great things. And sometimes it is difficult to stand out in, in a very loud space on social media, at conferences. And I figured I had to come up with something. So I am a rabbi, I'm super into tech. So I figured, you know, like Facebook and Instagram, I would tech rabbi, smash them together and see, see if it would stick. And uh, someone once told me, if uh, n- not everyone will agree with you, but no one's going to ever forget you, right? Because it's just a memorable brand. And uh, yeah, thank God. Just, uh, doing well for me
0: and you've been doing amazing since we last saw each other you recently also had a publication come out uh tell everybody what just uh what 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 they can find now in the local bookstores so uh, i launched a book
4: released on uh, the first of january educated by design and the book focuses on how to reveal the creative capacity that we all have uh, in ourselves and our students and the sort of the framework and the journey of what you need to be thinking about and what you need to be doing to become better creative problem solvers, and that book was uh, an evolution of major focuses on ed tech, and just you know tech conferences and everything was about tech. And myself seeing education as really, or not education, but education technology evolving and really needing to become a tool that just just fits in. To the way in which we solve problems and and hopefully, you know people have been into it. you know, they tell me on the internet that they like it. so you know it's one it's hard to it's hard to to say that my book is awesome. It's like an awkward you know kind of sentence to say, but fortunately, well, I- people have been sharing that.
0: I think it's a great book, and of course, if you're looking to pick it up and pick up any of Matt's publications as well, we're going to have all the links over here. This is, of course, Ask the Tech Coach, episode number 43. You can check everything out over at askthetechcoach.com. You know, we've been talking a lot about branding, and we've been getting a lot of questions here. So I want to f- kind of throw off our first question here, and, and and it really is this. When you're starting out, is it okay to create just a website and run with it, or... Did you guys have a plan to create a brand that you're then going to basically, as, as Michael said, uh, be a way to differentiate yourself? Like, Matt, did you just create this as a as a little side project that kind of exploded? Or did you really think this out with the colors and the brand and the trash can and the where was your mind when you first got started? <laughs> My mind was that I was a
3: journalist before I was a teacher and I liked to write. And I just wanted to write. So I signed up for a free WordPress.com blog and I just had the itch to write and to try to help other people. And so my first website was hideous. It had a word cloud as its logo. I remember writing a, an ed tech haiku as one of my first blog posts, not even kidding. And so it was, I mean, the the beauty of it, see, I've heard people say that the wonderful thing about, um, about starting a blog is that nobody's paying attention. And the horrible thing is that nobody's paying attention, nobody's paying attention. So that means you can make all the mistakes you want. You can really work at finding your own true writer's voice through trial and error. But then of course, that means that it feels like nobody's paying attention. So. And with me, with that uh, wordpress.com blog, I decided to upgrade and go on to something else. And I just stumbled into the yellow and black and the, um, the font that I have and the trash can logo and everything. I just put something together. I thought, you know, I quit using my textbooks. I'm just going to try this and see if it works. And I've seen other people that have created brands where they've done a complete rebranding at some point, And that's okay, too. Um, but for me, I just kind of stuck with it because I wanted some consistency and I wanted people to kind of know what I stood for. And so I just kind of stood by it throughout the years.
0: So was it something where you created this concept and then over the years you improved upon it or over the years maybe you found somebody to do some of the artwork for it? Or, or is this all on your hands, your design right now?
3: Um, well, the, the trash can logo is uh, free clip art I found on Google. For real. Not not even kidding. Like public domain clip art. That's what the trash can logo is. And now it's turned into like buttons and it's on a coffee mug. And what other things? I've got some stickers right here. So, yeah, Um, the font is Showcard gothic font. It happened to be a font that was on my Windows laptop at the time and I thought it worked. So I just kind of stuck with it. So really, yeah, it was just
0: kind of falling into it. You know, I'm sitting here laughing at that speech, Matt, because that is so hitting home right now. Um, I, 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 I I will never forget, you know, again, July 11, 2011. It's three in the morning and I'm looking at yeah. iconarchive.com. And that's how I found the original Apple, the original mortarboard, the original logo, mm-hmm. the everything just came from free icon. Because you got to start somewhere, right? Like you you can't yes. just build these things and and do it. And not everybody has artistic ability. However... Michael, you're pretty good with a pen, right? And I am looking at your tech rabbi stuff. You've got a really neat logo. I love your stickers. The color is good. Talk to us a little bit about your branding or your branding package. How did that come to be?
4: So I think the first, the first piece before I answer that is you have to establish a value that you want to provide. And then all of these other things become part of that value. And so they might resonate even if they aren't the most, um, you know, detailed, high quality, you know, million dollar design firm type creations. You know, for me, I wanted to, you know, sort of go with this unique look um, that I've been told I have. I stand out, it's hard for me to hide at conferences. I don't blend in, you know, I got, you know, big black rim glasses, a giant beard, and, uh, you know, keep on my head and I thought, OK, let's see if, you know, let's see what that, you know, that goes, you know, how, how that how that works out you know, through some super thin uh, Helvetica new font in front of it, a little starburst in the back for some, uh, you know, sparkle and pizzazz, and just kind of let, you know, let the value that I wanted to bring speak for it. And then the logo just kind of kind of go. Now, it also happened to help that I went to art school. So I have a little bit um, of uh, of a, uh, you know, ingrained in me sort of approach to design that probably was also a deciding factor. But I think it's just important, you know, we heard that from Matt is like the last thing that you want to start with is your logo. The first thing you want to start with is actually like what's that unique value that you're going to bring to the table?
0: That is such good news uh, and all of that stuff. And we're going to talk a little bit as we go through on content strategy, content creation. Chris, give me a little bit of your advice on here. When people meet you, I know you've got a very big footprint. Do people meet you and say, hey, it's Chris Avila. Or do they say, hey, it's that teched up teacher guy. Or h- how how has your brand and your kind of presence um, been created over the last couple of years? Yeah,
2: so I think it's funny is um – Probably a little bit different of a road than most people is uh, I kind of built a plane while it was flying. And I remember when I came up with the name TechDub Teacher. Uh, I was actually bouncing in a club and some of the other bouncers were watching Jacked Up on ESPN. And I was like, oh, TechDub. Because for me, the idea of starting a website was super selfish. Um, I was really getting into gamification and alternate reality games. And a lot of the writing, the early writing, especially, was for me to keep track of what I was doing and how I was doing it and why I was doing it. And so I started it from a place of the only person I was concerned of, you know, writing for was myself. And I keep a lot of that with me today um, because I would say, you know, much more than Michael and Matt, I think the, the work that I do is very niche. Um, and, and I think that's kind of, uh, for a specific reason. Um, and that's really to keep the passion going. Um, but because of social media, you know, when people I meet, you know, and cause it's like, you guys know, it's like one of those things where, you know, people, but you don't know people, you know, them from Twitter, you know, i from Facebook, but you haven't actually met in person. Um, and so a lot of times it's, Oh, you know, kind of teched up teacher. And, and even when I came up with that idea, it never ever occurred to me that I could be Chris Aviles. I always thought I had to have like a you know, like a persona. I had to have like a a projection or I had to have this thing that was like a representation of my ideas. And so, you know, very early on in the website, which has been going for six or seven years now, um, it was always about teched up teacher, teched up teacher. And I always thought of it as an idea or a movement rather than about me and myself. And so I know, you know, when I meet people the first time, um, especially, you know, like places like or bigger conferences, that's kind of like, oh, you're teched up teacher. I know you on Twitter or you know, a lot of people forget my name is Chris, or a lot of people, you know, uh, uh, don't know me as a person. But maybe they've, you know, tapped into a couple of the ideas that I had,
0: and I like. it. I mean, I think that's kind of cool. And, and it's interesting that you say that. This is these are things that we talk about often, Mike. I want to get your opinion on this because we we've, we've talked about this, right? On one hand, you've got you know, the tech rabbi, which which is kind of a persona, but but it's you. I mean, people look at the at the image, they see the face, they see the beard, they see everything, uh, and so they know that that's you. On the other hand, you've got Ditch That Textbook with the trash can. How do you know that Ditch That Textbook is this wonderful person over here? How do you make that distinction? Mike, what's your thought on that? If you're looking to create a brand or start something or, or kind of dive into this world, Do you recommend creating something around the person or around the, I don't want to say this the wrong way, but gimmick around, around the the branding thing there?
4: I would say it's, it's person, it's person versus organization branding. You know, for, 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 for me, I have put myself at a slight disadvantage, which is, you know, the notoriety or whatever that, that, you know, exists around the work I do is people are people are looking for me you know so if if i bring you know if i bring you all on my team like how how does that work it's like there's the tech rabbi but then like you're creating content or it it doesn't really line up if you want other people to be part of your uh your group in a forward-facing way for Dishat textbook you know that could that could become you know a a company with uh, matt as the you know the c the ceo at the helm and and just, you know, build that out. And other people could create around the the you know the values, I guess, of the ditch that textbook. So it's just a difference between personal branding and organizational branding. You you can you can build a company around a personal brand. Uh, Gary V does it. And you know, even though he'll he'll say like he runs a media company, he does that as well. But you know, he he his the, the personal brand is really what's built the empire over the past three or four years. So it's I don't think that one has a has a, a, a more of a pro, more of a con. I think they both have their strengths and weaknesses, and just for me, it, it's really how do I how do I expand?
0: You know, Nick, it's an interesting situation here because we've got a lot of tech coaches and a lot of non tech coaches here reaching out to us over these last couple shows saying, you know, I don't want to be the next tech rabbi. I don't want to be the next uh, ditch that textbook, but I want to create enough of a ripple so that way maybe an employer can get a chance to notice me or maybe I could have some kind of clout to get into the Google Teacher Academy or to get into Apple Distinguished or anything like that. What do you think about all this stuff? I mean, if you're out there and, you know, many people in our mastermind. Are looking at getting started in the tech coach field or on social media? What advice do you have for them as far as just getting that foot wet?
1: Yeah, I think uh, you know, going back to kind of what what Mike and Chris and uh, and you know Matt even said it too. I, I think it all starts with that finding that unique kind of asset that you bring that that niche or that area where you have you know, built kind of this skill set or these experiences that you kind of have the knowledge that you can then kind of share with others. And, and I think when you start to build that platform, you start to build a little bit of a following of people that, you know, start to look at the things that you are doing and, and recognize that. So I think just being kind of consistent to that, to build that brand around um, that idea is key. You know, I know with Chris and gamification, you know, I when I was, you know, back in the classroom, you know, roughly five years ago or so and, and teaching high school English, Chris was one of the guys I reached out to because, you know, I was looking for ways to totally revamp my my classroom. And gamification was a focus for me. So what better than reach out to someone who has been doing that now for, you know, probably a couple of years before I was really taking the plunge and And, um, you know, and he built that niche and, and he built the following. And I think, you know, at least with me now, that's, I'm taking that gamification approach and I've been doing a lot with, with PD and, and I like trying to apply the gamification aspect to PD and, and trying to revamp professional development in schools, uh, in that way. So I think that's it, you know, build that unique, find that uniqueness, find that niche and, uh, try to, uh, share the skills that you've now gathered and applied over the years.
0: Now, Matt, I'm sitting here looking at your website, DitchThatTextbook.com, and you've got a very distinct look, but more importantly, you've got a very distinct content strategy, right? One that's taken you certainly for multiple publications, and now you've got Twitter chats and all these wonderful things are happening. Could you talk a little bit about how your... I want to just create a blog turned into what we're looking at today. You know, how do you choose the content? How do you choose the topics? Where do you go with all of that stuff? That way people keep coming back and knowing that when I go to ditchthattextbook.com, I'm going to see this.
3: Yeah. Um, There's a couple of things that have gone to it. Um, One of them is that from the beginning, I really committed to creating content and showing up on a regular basis. That was really important to me because I wanted people to know when things were going to show up and they knew that I was going to bring it every single week. So from a really early point in my blogging career, I was posting a new post on Monday and on Thursday. I was doing two posts a week, which was a lot while I was still teaching Spanish. But what that also meant was that I went beyond the hobby blogger to being committed And see, I think the hobby blogger is the person who says, I'm just going to have a blog. And whenever I feel inspired, I'm going to write something. And here's what I find found happens when you say you're only going to write when you're inspired. You start on that first week and you're really inspired and you write two or three posts your very first week. The next week, it might be one or two posts. And then the week after that, it's one post. And then it's two weeks before you post again. And then you're done for a couple of months because life gets in the way, you know, and what, what I decided to do based off of suggestions of other bloggers was that I was going to come and bring my best every Monday and every Thursday, whether I was inspired or not. And the crazy thing about that too, is that sometimes you bring whatever you can bring for that day. And you don't, you're not super excited about the idea, but it resonates with people. It's crazy. Sometimes the things that I don't think are my best ideas are the things some people are really looking for. Then there are other days where I'm like this. This is my opus. This is going to change people's lives. This is going to be fantastic. I put it out there crickets. Mm. So I think part of it is showing up every single, you know, showing up on a regular schedule and letting people know when to expect you. And then the nice thing about that is it gets you practice but it also helps you to see what resonates with your audience. And so as you build that up, you start to see what people like um, and also what matches you as a person. And you kind of go from there, I think.
0: So there's two ways of looking at this, right? There's looking at it as I'm going to create content for myself because I like talking about it and it makes me happy. Thank you. And then there's also the idea of I'm going to create content. As you said, that resonates with your audience. You look at your stats Mm -hmm. and you say, if somebody's going to be really hitting this post, I'm gonna write more of that. How do you find that, that balance between self-gratification and supporting your audience that comes to see you?
3: Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, comes down to intention. So in that way, um, what are, are you in it for? Are you in it as a reflection tool? Like, do you want to reflect on what you're doing in class? There is nothing wrong with that. There's lots of people that have blogs that write for themselves as the audience. Or are you wanting to serve a particular group of people? And what's great is whenever you can find the intersection of those two, I think. So if you can find something that is your unique, true voice in a way that you can serve a certain audience, then you've got that sort of nexus where those two things come together. And that's, you know, for me, that's that's what I was really looking for from the beginning.
0: Mike, where are you in that? Cuz I mean, again, you just created your book. This just came out in the beginning of January. All the links are going to be over on our show notes. Ask the tech coach 43, is this a book for you? Is this a book for your audience or somewhere in the middle?
4: So the the book is written for the person that really is trying to figure out how to empower their students in this, this very buzzy word of creativity. Now that person is not me. Um, all the advice that I received and all the books I read, I even read a book about how to write a book. Um, you are not the audience that you're writing for. If you are Mm. just, you know, write yourself love letters. You have to imagine that person that is sitting in their classroom saying, I wish I had something to do to, to figure this out, or I wish that I knew more about it, or maybe they don't even realize the bigger picture, but there's something in the book that's gonna resonate and reveal that out. Um, but the book is absolutely uh, a, a, my own personal journey, my own personal experiences in my classrooms, supporting uh, students as a classroom educator, as an administrator, um, as, a, as a consultant, you know, traveling the country. But it, you have to have a person when you're writing a book. I think a book is different, very different than a blog post, very different than than social media content that you put out. It really has to be something that is is gonna to stand there. You can't update the book. I mean, you could you could write a new version, but once you're holding my book, like that that's it. You know, you, you can't you can't you know send them you know version ten point three point one.
0: So let's talk a little bit about the thing that the book sits on or the thing that the blog sits on. Chris, you and I have had a lot of conversations about websites, web design. What does it look like? Talk to me a little bit about Tech Teacher. How did you get to be looking at it from the way that it is? Um, did you re- create it for yourself? Did you create it for your audience? Tell us a little bit about your web strategy. And I, I'm dying to hear from what uh, Michael and Matt are saying about this. But Chris, give yeah, me your strategy. Uh, I mean what's
2: funny is I'll even start with a, a quick story. I remember when I was first... Uh, maybe three or four years ago, thinking about taking the website more seriously, I actually reached out to Matt and I was talking to him on Twitter. And I was trying to say, you know, I love your website. How did you do it? Where's your style? Um, and so, you know, whether it was for Matt or you, Jeff, just kind of getting ideas from different experts and different people in the field and, uh, you know, how they run their website, and what they look for. And I know like you and I have had a lot of late night conversations. You've been super generous about helping me out Um, as somebody who, you know, like, again, I'm building this plane while I'm flying it. Um, But what happened was starting the blog, you know, similar to Matt, started down the the free WordPress uh, WordPress route. Um, And I'd say maybe three or four years into the blog, um, starting to get some emails. Hey, would you come talk at this conference? Hey, would you come talk at our school? Um, And so it kind of went for where I was applying and asking to do do those things. People started to ask me. Um, And so that's when I decided to start, you know, taking things a little bit more seriously. You know, I kind of updated the website. That's, you know, I think when we first started talking, um, you know, we've known each other a lot longer, but, you know, I think it was that time that I started to reach out to like you and Matt and kind of say, hey, uh, how are you doing this stuff? And, you know, learning about just different intricacies of how to run a website and content, you know, creation and what makes a good blog blog post and how do you, um, you know, keep people coming back to reading more and learning about, you know. Uh, how long people, you know, how to get people to spend more time reading articles and how many articles they read before they leave. And um, I think part of that, though, oddly, is the fact that like I'm super into data and that stuff like really fascinates me. And so, you know, I have, uh, um, you know, I have uh, Google AdWords and I have all the, the Google dashboards and the WordPress dashboards. And, you know, I have a bunch of different trackers that tracks, you know, almost anything you can imagine. And I'm always just kind of doing pivot tables and comparing month to month and year to year. And, um, you know, seeing the growth of the website is always something that kind of gets me excited. And um, so, I mean, I think for me, part of that was realizing that instead of, again, you know, bouncing at clubs in the summer, whatever I was doing, like this could be an opportunity for me to make a little bit of money on the side um, so I can support my family on top of a teaching salary. Um, But then the other part was, too, is just really kind of being into – data and growth and analytics. Um, you know, really those two things are what kind of drove me to take everything a little bit more seriously.
0: And how do you feel about that matter? Are you a go at the flow or do you have your analytics dashboards up there constantly trying to figure out what your next move is?
3: <laughs> I wish that I, maybe I I need to get Chris on board with me. Like I've, I've got some lessons I think I can learn from Chris on this. Um, I keep track of, the statistics on my blog posts and on my YouTube videos and all of that. So I keep an eye on that um, to some extent. Um, Some of it also just has to do with a little bit of my uh, gut feeling on what my um, audience wants to hear. And so I guess the, the question that begs is how do you know what your audience wants to hear? And I think, Michael, as you were talking about this, to some extent, there was something, when you were saying with the book, you have to have somebody to write it for. For me, I've taken the same approach to blogging. I've heard people talk about writing for their avatar and their avatar is the, you know, sort of like sample person out of their audience that is representative of the whole group. And so for me, um, through doing presentations and through writing and meeting people, I have found that my avatar is a 40 to 50 year old woman who teaches in the K-12 setting She's a little bit techy but not totally techie and she's willing to try some stuff um, I keep her in mind whenever I write posts so I try not to I try not to put in acronyms that she's not gonna know I try not to you know try to make sure that everything is fully explained so she doesn't feel in the in the dark and um, you know that's that's another way I think that you know, that gets away a little bit from the analytics. So I, I guess I kind of play it in the middle. Does your avatar have a name? i need to name her i don't know i guess Susie is the first name that comes to mind but that's such a (laughs) typical name i can come up with something better than that
0: we are going to be right back we're going to come back and we're going to talk all about presentations we're going to talk about social media we're going to talk about a little bit about graphics and everyone's going to give their their thoughts tips and tricks on great applications that you need to be using when looking at building your brand this is ask the tech coach episode number 43 we will be right back in a few seconds Friends, before we move on with our show, I wanted to let you guys know I have been in education now for almost 20 years, and I've seen the changes some students have come to face every single day. Whether it's going through school hungry, not being able to see a doctor when they're sick, or not getting the proper rest at night, these challenges make it hard for kids to focus On their learning. I remember a story of a student who came to my office one day and she could barely stay awake due to all the circumstances happening around her at home that were beyond her control. I didn't know what I could do and I wanted to be able to help her out in any way that I could. Thankfully, Concordia University in Portland is leading the way with their three to PhD program that helps to combat students' fears freeing them to pursue their highest dreams. They're revolutionizing education by creating a holistic model that provides groceries, healthcare, and even clothing to students right here on campus, helping them thrive and helping our community strengthen and grow. Concordia's College of Education offers online and on-campus programs where students have the opportunity to learn about a more compassionate approach to education and see how nurturing the whole student can lead to amazing things. To learn more about how you can help students conquer their monsters and achieve their highest dreams, visit cu-portland.edu forward slash let's conquer. That's cu-portland.edu forward slash let's conquer. And use the hashtag nature, educate, grow. and welcome back to the show today we're talking all about branding we've got some great guests on here we've got chris avilas from Tech up teacher we got michael cohen the tech rabbi we've got matt miller ditch that textbook nick you know there's a lot of great things that are going on here in the world of branding of course as we go through our mastermind people are still asking what should they do first where should they look right because there's a lot of times you might go out and create something huge that you know, that might scare people, especially in the I want to get a job, especially in the I want to keep a tight, you know, f- close friendship. A lot of people might get a little bit nervous around somebody who's got this bigger persona. What, what's, what's your advice for anybody out there that's looking to grow something or maybe they stumbled on something that's really cool, but, you know, they still want to be recognized at school as just another fifth grade teacher like everybody else?
1: <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I think this part kind of scares people is always just reaching out, you know, it's kind of putting yourself out there to reach out to those people. But, you know, um, I think there's just so much that you can gain and, and, and building that personal voice, not just through social media, reaching out, but, you know, via email, getting someone on the phone, meeting up physically and just finding out what are their tips and tricks. I, I you know, Jeff, I, so much that I'm, I'm personally getting out of this, um, this roundtable, and because i'm you know as you know we've been working on my site i'm trying to undergo uh, a kind of a a website redesign and and build my own so i'm taking these tips and tricks from some of the best and and trying to formulate that understanding into into how do i kind of build something that is my own niche and and has my own voice and i think that's one thing i always say coming from the english teacher in me and, and how I speak to my students was always maintain that voice, you know, find your personal voice and and how you're going to, you know, get others to uh, to recognize you wherever you are.
0: You know, I, I still like the quote that Michael said a few minutes ago here. You know, you're know, you not writing an audience your audience is not you, right? Um, you are not Absolutely. the audience. He said you're not the audience you're writing for, which I really, really like. That guys, you know, we've been working with Nick here on his website. We we just got him a domain name, so now he's nicholasameral.com, and we're, we're going to start to build this up here. Let's take a moment here and do a little round robin of our favorite tools, our favorite apps, right? What do we use for graphics? What do we use for our web design? What do we? What are some of those things that you have to have with you? Chris, we've had a lot of conversations here. What are those three or four must-have that you always use or recommend and and why?
2: Um, Maybe I'll give uh, an an app and a strategy. Mm -hmm. Um, The the first is Buffer. I can't live without Buffer. I don't know how I lived without Buffer before I had it. Um, But Buffer is basically an app I have on my phone that allows me to post to uh, multiple social media accounts at once. So I have my program social media, fairhaveninnovates.com, right? Trying to brand my program for my school. Um, then I have Teched Up Teacher. And so I can post to all six of those accounts with one, you know, click of a button, basically. And so for me, having to have you know, formally have done that manually. Um, That's been really, you know, a blessing to be able to use Buffer has been fantastic. Um, And I think a strategy that's worked very well, I guess that can also be considered maybe like an app. Um, But, you know, I wrote the gamification guide because I was getting so many emails uh, from people asking kind of questions. I decided to put it all together in a free resource for people. Um, But using MailChimp to have people sign up to get a copy of that has really helped grow um, my following. And so the gamification guide, you know, started out getting maybe a couple downloads here and there. Um, it's getting two, three, four, five hundred downloads every couple months now. Um, and that helps me grow, you know, my mailing list and, and let people know when I have a new blog post up or, um, you know, uh, uh, Matt and I and a few others are going to have a really great session at ISTE this year, you know, kind of saying where I'm going to be. Um, and so that's been fantastic is turning that gamification guide and using it um, to build a mailing list. So I can just kind of let people know what I'm up to. Um, so, I mean, those two things have really probably helped me grow the most over the last two years.
0: I like that idea. We we, we are big fans of buffer here, and we're certainly big fans of having some kind of a content opt-in or something. Uh, Michael, what do you do? What 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 are your uh, go-to apps? What are those things that you always have to have around?
4: So, my confession is that I'm I'm way less organized <laughs> as far as strategy. Um, it's you know it's it's hard to, it's hard to run the brand and be a director of innovation and be a father of four kids nine eight six and four years old so I gotta be you know buffer for sure is something that is uh, definitely a saver because of the content um, but I'm really into short on time kind of strategies and it's hard because i I've been using. Adobe Photoshop since I was 15 years old. So the Adobe Spark platform, I think is absolutely incredible. I've recently fallen in love with uh, Adobe Rush and iMovie. You know, I'm I'm a big fan of of Apple. Uh, But the reason I mention these three is because they all um, can be utilized on this phone. You know, I don't have time for my laptop, my desktop, you know, I got all these different devices. I, I want to just be able to create content right in my hand right now. And I think that for many people that's uh, a really valuable app set because most of us have smartphones these days, right? Is that like is that like a fair statement? I, I don't want to be too cutting edge. Like we all have smartphones, <laughs> right? <laughs> so so it's it's how, how can we, you know, when it's video content, can I can I record, edit, and and ship out video content? To Instagram, Instagram Stories, to YouTube, can I get graphics that are on Instagram, and then with this, literally the click of a button, snap to the Twitter um, size, and and then it's a YouTube thumbnail, all on my phone. Can I do all that on my phone? So if that if that can be done, then I think that's something that's valuable for others. For for me to share right now, like I'm using Final Cut Pro, and you know doing all of these like high end things, like I don't think that's helpful for the listeners. So Adobe Spark, super simple for post-video creation, Adobe Rush, and um, yeah, your camera app. The camera app is the most powerful app on the device.
0: I love that idea. Matt, what what are your go-tos?
3: One for me has got to be MailChimp. So this is something that I committed to from a very early time is that I wanted to be able to provide value to my readers uh, through their email. And the nice thing about that is you don't have to worry about a platform changing. You know, the Facebook algorithm changes, no big deal. You know, Twitter, something weird happens with Twitter and they change the way that they do business, no big deal because I own my own email list. People have opted into me and not into a social media platform. And so being able to send them emails of the new stuff that I'm up to and things that can help them out has been huge. And, of course, what that also means is that in addition to providing them value, I can also let them know, you know if I have a book out, if I'm doing speaking gigs and if I have some openings. The amazing thing I found, too, is that the, um, the, it's like the rule of reciprocity. Like you give, 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 give to people. You bring enormous value to people, and all of a sudden they want to give back in return. You know, Michael mentioned Gary Vaynerchuk earlier. He calls that the thank you economy. You know, it's the idea of giving so much that people want to give back to you as a thank you. And so that's my direct line of communication with people is to do that. And I found to grow that if I give them something that is worthwhile to them for free in exchange for their email address, that gets them really interested in signing up. So for me, for the longest time, it's been a free ebook. Um, some people do it as checklists. It doesn't have to be anything enormous, but if you can establish something with a quick win right there, you know, give them something that that can really get them going, that can be huge. So for me, I'd say my my email system is probably the biggest.
0: I I, I couldn't agree with you more. We've been talking a lot about that. We've been doing a lot of blog posts about that. You know, we've we're actually working right now um, at TeacherCast Labs on a branding workbook. That, uh, that we're actually going to go backwards and we're going to be adding that, bo- that uh, branding workbook to all of these different branding podcasts and whatnot. And, you know, I, I, we're going to start to talk a little bit about conferences here really quickly, but, you know, I've switched my conference presentations over to, if you're in the audience and you want to sign up for the newsletter, I'll give you something special just for that conference. Maybe it's branded, maybe it's got the logo of the conference, you know, but that way again, it's one more way to say thank you for being here and thank you for coming to my session and getting to you know, like earn and trust me here. There's a lot of different things that we can have here. I know we're getting short on time and there's a ton of different things here, Nick that we, 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 there's so many different topics here, but I, I wanted to just because this is a tech coach show, could you guys give us maybe one or two thoughts on conferences? Many t- tech coaches have talked to us over the last few months on how do I get accepted into ISTI, How do I get speaking gigs? How do I get found? Fa- All of those kind of branding things. Let's just do this one real quick before we get into our last topic here. Probably the most one. Um, Mike, I'm going to leave you for, for last year because you've got a very, very special story that I, I like here. But, but Chris, what's your, uh, what's, what's your thought process here? What's your tips and tricks? on conferences and getting, getting selected?
2: Um, a big thing for me is talk to as many people as possible. Um, you know, it's hard for me because it wasn't necessarily my personality, especially in the beginning was just to walk up to people, ask them how they're doing, introduce myself. Um, and so I found, you know, kind of having to start out maybe doing some conferences for free and stuff like that. Um, afterwards, the networking turned out to be the most important part. Um, and so now it's common when I go out and I speak and, you know, uh, you guys know how it is afterwards, people want to come up. They want to kind of talk to you, um, exchange your business cards, networking and doing that kind of stuff is really important. And so I always want to make sure, um, that I'm being as open, uh, and, you know, friendly as possible. Um, and so for somebody, I'm kind of an introvert that was hard for me at first. Um, but it's made all the difference. And I think the other thing, too, is so often we don't think we're good enough. Um, I always say, you know, I'm my own worst enemy. You know, uh, going back to like blogging for a second, I don't really like anything that I write. And so I even have to like set rules for myself where like I won't reread or proofread anything more than three times because I'll sit there and tear myself apart all day. And so having hard rules like that. Um, has really helped me kind of open up uh, uh, and and explore more. And so just understanding that your ideas and what you bring to the table, you have value. And it took me, you know, probably two or three years of doing different conferences to realize that. Um, You know, and I I think even uh, Nick and I have had the conversation, even Jeff and I, we've had this conversation, you know, making that transition from doing conferences for free to doing conferences for money. Um, especially now where for the most part unless it's for friends, I'll only speak at conferences for money. Um, you know that's kind of a big transition too and, and knowing what you're worth and knowing that you bring value and kind of sticking to that and being confident um, with you and, and your brand and your talent and stuff like that. I mean that was big for me too is just knowing um, knowing what you bring to the table is probably fantastic even if you don't see it yet because it took me a long time to really believe. Um, that I had something special to add, you know, especially, um, you know, sometimes I I get on my soapbox on Twitter or, or, you know, just with its, you know, when we're talking at conferences, I feel like there's a lot of like signal to noise issues when it comes to like edu Twitter and and just kind of like education in general. Um, A lot of people are just kind of sharing like those feel good quotes and they're not putting a lot of themselves out there. And so when you see these big you know uh these big conference speakers and they have the big following and they have the big you know followers um comparing yourself to them can be scary and so kind of just knowing that everybody kind of started out in the same place and knowing what value you bring and knowing that you have a story to tell and everybody has something to bring to the table um is really important so i think the the networking and kind of you know making sure that i meet and, and you know, uh, uh, get to meet as many people as possible, along with just kind of being confident in who I am and what I bring to the table were probably the two biggest things uh, that made a difference for me.
0: And and that's such good advice. And we've talked about a lot of that, of just having that confidence out there to know your value. Matt, talk to us a little bit about your strategies, because, I mean, you go to ISTEs, you go to Q's, you've you've done a lot of keynoting. How do you know the Mm -hmm. right topics? Is that just, again, going back to what does she want to read from you? (laughs) Yes, very much so. I've got a couple of quick
3: hits that I can give you. Um, Number one, I think you need to put yourself in the place of your attendees. You got to see where are they. Um, So often you've got the people who are new to technology uh, that are new to the conference scene, and they may not have the same established foundation of ideas that you do. So make sure you put yourself in their their, um, place. Number two, Title is huge. The title of your presentation, especially for the attendees, maybe not so much for the selection committee, but for the attendees, they're gonna go to something that's fun. They're gonna go to something where they know what it's about. So be very careful about your title. Number three, if there is a presenter packet, read it carefully as you're doing your submissions, because a lot of times they give clues for what they're looking for. Along that same line, number four, if you're doing ISTE, I know ISTE always has this chart of how many presentations are accepted and how many are declined in every different presentation type. If you want to be selected, go to the ones that have the least representation that have the highest acceptance rates. That's one way to go. And then number five, I think when you're crafting those presentations, give people what they want, what they're looking for. But also give them what you think they need, too, because sometimes they'll show up for what they think they want. Um, You know, those 60 apps and 60 minutes types of presentations are what people think a lot of times that they want. But maybe what they need is a little less focus on the tool and a little more focus on the teaching. If you can kind of like I joke about it, like if I was making a meatloaf. This is like grinding up some cauliflower and mixing it into the meatloaf. It's like, I'm giving you a little bit of what you need, but I'm really still also giving you what you want. So those are, those are some of my tips for conferences.
0: I I love those topics, you know, find, find where you're, Find where they don't have a lot of submissions and then go yes. there. That's such a good idea. Mike, tell us a little bit about your your strategy here. I mean, you've been a presenter. You've been a featured speaker. You know, we, we didn't even get a chance to talk about ISTE last year. But how, how do you create, you know, how, how do you find that right topic? How do you create buzz around your section? How do you get people to to know about you and talk about you after you're finished?
4: So the... The conference approach, I think there's two different, there's two types of conferences, right? So at, at some point, if, you've, if you have been successful in creating content that resonates, so you're being invited to be featured speaker, you're being invited to keynote at districts and things like that. And there, you know, you can basically speak whatever, you know, talk about whatever you want because they're, 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 they want to hear you because so they've already heard you in some capacity. But when you're looking at these big conferences, you know, the ASCDs, the Qs, the different um, statewide ISTE affiliate conferences, ISTE itself, South by Southwest, they all have a underlying theme that you need to be aware of. And, uh, you know, just to to show you, like, the honesty of the way in which they use um, conference committees. So I submitted three sessions to uh, ISTE for... For, for Philadelphia, so number one, if you're a keynote speaker, you still have to submit. This isn't like some little like easy pass now. And I got one of my uh, sessions that I was really excited about um, rejected or waitlisted, right? So you, you have to look, especially with ISTI. they have these ISTE standards that they have built up over the past few years, revamped um, last year, uh, another round, and you, you wanna look at those. You wanna design the, the story around your session with those in mind. And they are, they, they are clues to to what it is that um, that you should be looking for. Now, also, you know, as Matt said, the the statistics are important. If you've spoken, you know, at three conferences total, I wouldn't recommend trying to do a you know an individual speaking session at ISTI uh, because you just you haven't refined the process yet. And if you have, um, I want to work for you because that's like you're like magical, you know. <laughs> So it's just, it takes time. And so poster sessions can be an opportunity to really share out. And if you're super high energy, there's hundreds of people walking around and I've seen poster sessions that have more people engaged than general sessions with somebody in front of this big room, you know, with a fancy stage. Uh, As far as, you know, being, you know, being memorable, um, I I try to make my sessions hands-on and I'm very transparent in the beginning. Um, if you're not interested in doing something at some point in the next 45 minutes or an hour, y- you should go to another conference. And I'd rather have people leave than people unengaged checking their emails. So there is that piece of, of mind, for better or for worse, where I will storytell, I will share a little bit about my journeys, my successes, my failures. But we're going to do something in some way that represents the session topic. If, if it's, if it's possible and it's not always possible. Um, I think that, you know, like the keynote at ISTE, that, that was just like total, you know, divine providence. I mean, literally got an email from my website, like web website form fill out, Hey, we've seen your content. You know, we want to be in touch. And I've, I've spoken at ISTE, uh, 2000, you know, 14, 15, 2016, um, maybe I made that up. No, 17 and then 18. So it's not like I just, you know, became the keynote speaker. Like they had seen me before. I think that's the most important thing. If someone is trying to become one of these global, um, you know, educators, that's what it really is. You just, you have to put yourself out there. You have to do a ton of stuff for free on social media, at conferences. You know, hopefully you're not paying too much out of your own pocket. But you do for free and then people will want to pay you. Um, and that's, you know, take that with a grain of salt listeners. That's my own experience. That's what's worked for me. Um, but it also, you know, we we have to pay the bills and you you can't do everything for free. Um, I've already been banned from free stuff. Now for my wife, she says, you're not flying across the country, you know, for $300, you know, it takes time to create this content. I put my heart and soul into it. I'm away from my family. I'm traveling. It's miserable. Um, And and on the plane, I don't care if you're in business class or you're in coach, it's, 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 it's not necessarily a lifestyle. But if you are inspired by the idea that you can impact thousands of more students because of the work that you do, then don't hold back because then you're robbing the world of something incredible.
0: Nick, this is a hard uh, thing to, to follow all of that up. This is all great advice. And if anybody out there is looking for more advice like this, please find us over on Twitter. You can, of course, reach out over at Ask the Tech Coach on Twitter. Leave us a voice message over at TeacherCast.net slash voicemail. We want to have your questions answered. Uh, we want to make sure that you guys are looking and getting what you guys need. If you have anything, we will help you guys um, out as we go through here. Nick, what did you learn from today's show? There's a lot of stuff that just happened here.
1: Yeah, this was uh, this was amazing. There's a lot of information, and I'm hoping that you know our listeners, Jeff, can can definitely. I don't know how they're only going to walk away with one. I mean, I'm I'm checking down a list right now as, as I was just listening, and uh, and I thought this was just terrific, and just you know, I, just where to start and how everyone has started from you know, we're all in the same boat. We've all come from similar, uh, places, uh, and how they have built their paths to where they are today is, is not out of reach for anyone. And that's, you know, that's just got me kind of keying in on everything that they said was, was, was resonating with me in a way. And I just, you know, I, uh, Chris had said something earlier and, and it was, you know, that you, I'm my worst enemy, you know, and you're always thinking about yourself, just how maybe you can't live up to the expectations of of others or some of the obviously the global educators. And, and that was just, you know, profound words and just something that I think everyone jumping into tech coaching or just trying to make a name for themselves and a personal brand in education. These are things they got to follow
0: guys i want to say thank you so much for taking the time today it is always nice to have you guys on the show please invite yourself back on we have so many more topics that we didn't get a chance to hit we would love to have you guys out there be a guest on this show with somebody here on our panel that way you can have your questions answered we of course would love to have you on let's do one quick round robin where can we learn more about you and how do we find all the great stuff you're doing chris where do we find out more about you um, so all of my social
2: media is at Teacher. The blog is Uh You can
0: keep up with all of my antics there. And Michael, where can we find you these days?
4: Uh, the Tech Rabbi, not Tech Rabbi, the at the front. There, there was a, a squatter that's um, making life exciting. The Tech Rabbi on all social feeds. Twitter is the best place to reach out uh, and really connect and have meaningful conversations. And, um, you know, the podcast, the blog, everything is found on, uh, the tech or educated by com.
0: and check out Michael's book. It is fantastic. I have a copy here. We're certainly going to have Michael back on the show soon, just to talk about that book and why you guys need to be educated by design. Matt, where can we learn more about the great things that you're doing? Uh, probably
3: at ditch that textbook.com. Um, as I was mentioning earlier, it's good to, uh, to give people things for free, so I have a couple of free eBooks there. There's one called "101 Practical Ways to Ditch That Textbook" that you can get. There's also another one about using Google tools, and so you can get all of that good stuff at ditchthattextbook.com/101. Now,
0: now the person that's downloading that book, Matt, would that be Gertrude?
3: <laughs> yes, yes. Her name is Gertrude. Name
0: that is, Gertrude. is way better than Susie. I was gonna. Thank also you, like, Jeff. Like yes, Scarlet would be one, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're going with Gertrude. Going with Gertrude. Yeah. Okay, you've heard it yep. here Gertrude ha- has-
3: yep.
0: Hashtag Gertrude. Here we go. Nick, where can we learn more about you? Because I know you are gonna go home this week and you are gonna build your brand. <laughs> I am. I am. I'm going to run down the list. So you can follow me on Twitter at
1: NAMRLEDU or uh, check out my blog at NicholasAMRL.com.
0: And of course, you can learn more about us over at AskTheTechCoach.com. we got 43 websites, lots of great stuff. And if you are interested in branding, we have a brand new channel out there. You can go over to EducationalWebDesign.com, figure out how to make a brand new website for yourself. Or of course, you can go over to EducationalPodcasting.com and learn how you guys can create a podcast just like this one for yourself or with your students. Speaking of which, if you are looking to bring podcasting into your classroom, don't forget you can head over to podcastingwithstudents.com to get some great advice on curriculum, apps, equipment, all that great stuff. podcastingwithstudents.com One more time, guys, I want to say thank you for being here as a guest on the show. It's always a pleasure. And I want to say thank you to you guys for making TeacherCast your home for professional development over these last eight years. It has been absolutely amazing having you on the ride. And we are looking forward to seeing you guys at a local conference, especially in Philadelphia at ISTE. So on behalf of Nick here on the podcast and on everybody here on the TeacherCast Educational Network, my name is Jeff Bradbury. And I'm Nick Amaral. Reminding you to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students.